Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Psalm 95 and verse 3. One of my favorite things to do in this world uh, is to go out to Abilene, Texas, which I try to do at least once a year, if not twice a year. Uh, I hunt with a good friend of mine, Chris Ellis, retired Master Sergeant, United States Air Force, stationed out at Dice Air Force Bay, uh, Base for years. Um, and by coming in contact with him, I came in contact with Chris McCurley, who preaches for the Odom Lane Church there in Abilene. Great church, great people, great passion. But one of my favorite things to do while I am there in Abilene is to go out in the middle of what's considered Buffalo Gap, uh, a very old land where Buffalo traveled uh, many moons ago, and <laughs> and uh, and look up at the stars. I've never seen a bigger sky in all of my life, and when I'm there in this nighttime and I'm looking up, I really get to ponder um, the enormity, if that's, if, if that's the, the word, um, the enormity, the, the magnificent, uh, the massive um, amount of universe that you're able to see. And it is surely a true saying in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. You notice that they are not the glory of God, but they declare the glory of God. And so if you think about this massive sky that you're able to see in Buffalo Gap there outside of Abilene, Texas, and you see all of the stars. I mean, literally, they're, it's, it's almost like you get to peel back all the layers. So for you folks that live in the city, I hate, I hate that you don't get to see... Uh, anything really that, but just the moon and a few stars here and there. Go out to Abilene, um, go out to Buffalo Gap, and, and just look up. And I want to consider a, a few staggering facts when you think about this this podcast, this this theme for this week. Uh, and, and here this is this is Wednesday. Um, I want to give you three over the next three days. Uh, I, I've been gone for about two weeks traveling. Uh, sabbatical planning my next year 2022 um, and so I've been hit or miss on the podcast so I'm just going to dump three over the next three days but for this one here concerning your preaching uh, and concerning your ministry preach a big God and, and you, you, you may think that that's, an, that's something simple um, but those four words is what you and I should be about preaching a big God, um, if we were to hollow out the inside of the sun, we could place more than one million earths inside of the sun. And the sun is, oh, what's the word? Uh, huge. <laughs> 866,000 miles wide. But astronomers tell us that the star, um, I'm going to butcher this word. I, I speak Greek and Hebrew, but not uh, astronomy. Um Betelgeuse, maybe, maybe is the word. Or, I'm sorry, it's pronounced Betelgeuse. That's that's what it is. <laughs> but it's much bigger, 215 million miles wide. But they say that um, the V.Y. Canis major, uh, Majoris is even larger. That it's more than a billion miles across. 
if we were to replace our sun with this with this particular star, uh, it, its surface would extend to the orbit of Saturn. Okay, and if you got your um, your starology map and you're taking a look, just just gaze at that. Okay, that means that the Earth could continue on its orbit inside the star. Now, as enormous as that VY Canis Majoris is, keep in mind that this is just a single star in our Milky Way galaxy. So today, with the help of um, you know the, the Hubble Space Telescope, scientists estimate that the Milky Way contains approximately somewhere oh, around the number of 2 billion stars. And, and scientists estimate that there are more than 100 billion other galaxies in the universe containing anywhere from a billion to uh, more than a, a trillion stars each. Okay, And you can find all that stuff on HubbleSite.org, uh, NASA.gov. I think it's very safe to say that the universe is larger than any of us has ever realized and that God is far more powerful than what we usually imagine. And I don't know about you, but when I consider the heavens and I realize in this particular light, um, the word is afresh, <laughs> I realize who it is that I'm telling people about. I want to preach a big God. Do you hear me? And that should be you. We should be preaching a big, big God. One of the reasons why some Christians struggle with fear or they grow lukewarm uh, in their desire to worship God is because they are harboring um, thoughts about God um, that, that realistically fall short of who He really is. In other words, their God is too small. And God forbid that we aid them in that small God mentality, that small God theology, with our preaching. Um, Warren and David Wearsby, great material. Um, I know some great preachers, very famous preachers, who who broke their teeth on Wearsby and put, put Wearsby's teeth in their mouth and and, and, uh, and just continued great preaching and ministry. Um, they, they have an appropriate word, uh, maybe advice, um, regarding this, this matter on a big God and maybe what you and I can be in trouble of, of of not preaching a big enough God. They, they said, uh, quote, don't strive to prepare and preach, quote, great sermons, but to magnify a great Savior. Now, their exhortation to preach a great Savior reminds me of the psalmist, um, Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 40 and verse 16. Um, Let those who love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Now, now that should be one of my goals as I preach. It should be one of your goals when you preach that we magnify the Lord, talking realistically, glowingly about His attributes and His great, great, great deeds and helping people to understand how great our God really is. We should dread the thought that people will walk away from my preaching and your preaching and even our teaching, our Bible class teaching, thinking, well, that was a great sermon. It would be far, far better if they walked out of our doors, went, got into their car, and drove back to their normal life thinking, what a great God we have. You and I need to make it a goal in our preaching, in our teaching, that we magnify the Lord. Richard Mayhew, um, Master's Seminary in California, um, he was given a note some time ago, and he opened the note, and it said, Brother, don't ever try to be a big preacher. Instead, preach a big Savior. Now, that is great advice. 
we have a big Savior. We have a big God. And so we need to be about that and telling people about that. And so I want to shift from preaching a big God and trying to emphasize in our preaching about this big God, uh, emphasizing, underlining uh, emphatically what God has done for people, not what people have done for God. Ephesians 1 and verse 6, Paul said to the church at Ephesus, to the praise and glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us. God has bestowed that, has gifted that to us in the beloved. So it's all about the location. He has done that. And one of our goals as preachers, if you're listening to this and you're an elder, uh, one of your goals as a shepherd, as a teacher of God's people, is to help them make God the focus of their lives. If you looked at what we talked about last week, preaching and pointing people to Jesus. We want them to run the race. We want them to look to Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of their faith, Hebrews 12 and verse 2. And I trust that you agree with me on that. I trust that you know that, that he is the one. But there's a possibility in our preaching, in our ministering, in our shepherding, that, that even, even knowing that is true, we can put our focus on a man or on a spiritual character, on an individual, or the great qualities or the characteristics of a particular person instead of upon the God who made that person great. I often say this in marriage counseling. What you love about that person is what you love about God. The person that you're seeing now, the person you see across the room, you don't love their 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 poison traits, okay? <laughs> you don't love that the, the things that they do wrong. You love the good things. Every good thing is from God. What you're seeing is a reflection of God the Father in the person that you're about to marry. Fall in love with God, more so the giver of the gift that you have in that marriage. And there's nothing wrong with doing a, you know, a character study. There's nothing wrong with doing those kind of things. Looking at the lives of particular individuals in the Bible, especially uh, in, in, in context of studies or small groups or whatever, when you just want to learn a person or learn about someone, there's nothing wrong with that in any kind of way. There is much that we can learn, I mean, realistically about, about them and what's written about them. But we need to be careful as we examine their lives, their um, heroics, their accomplishments. You know, you think about Joseph's rise to power in Egypt, where he became basically VP, you know, Department of the Treasury. Um, Gideon taking the 300, you know, the Spartans of old, uh, routing of the Midianites. That, that, that's great. And to shine the spotlight on the Lord uh, and what he did in that person's life in that situation is our key focus. Now, he alone really is the hero of every story in the Bible. That's the realistic thing. That's the true thing. You're reading Esther. You're reading Ruth. Guess what? Those are providential stories about how God implemented uh, his will in people's lives by their submission to his will and therefore by providentially blessing those people. Now, God blessed those people. The stories are about those people. God is hardly, even if he is even at all mentioned other than just by name. But the, the hero of, of those stories is God. As a great of a man as we believe the Apostle Paul was, I mean, in reality, apart from God's grace, 1 Timothy 1.15, he was the chief of sinners. Now, is this a reflection upon his past sins? Is he using a play on words here? Uh, is, he, is he trying to uh, speak humility? Uh, Romans 7.24, he was a wretched man. Romans 7 verse 18, there was nothing good that dwelt in his flesh. Uh, in the old law, 
as he was um, all of the stock of tribe of Israel, as he was the best of the best concerning uh, Benjamin. You know, he, he was the, the last of the hard, uh, a dying breed. And knowing this to be the case, he's a man. Don't lift up the man. Lift up the God who lifted up the man. Uh, it's like our preaching. Our preaching, the pulpit doesn't uphold the preacher. The pulpit upholds the Word of God. So knowing, <clears throat> knowing all of these things to be the case, we don't, we don't want people to leave our teaching enamored with Paul or anyone else or any, anybody, any other man, any other woman. We want them to walk away <clears throat> from our teachings and our preachings glorifying God who did great things in and through the lives of people and how he is still doing that today. God was and is the only praiseworthy one, Matthew nineteen, seventeen. So preach a big God <clears throat> and preach this God who who absolutely who absolutely did wonderful things through people who just submitted to his will and implement that into their lives as they are as they are looking for something, as they're suffering this week, as they're enduring this week, as they're going through travail this week, they've got to have a big God who can handle their problems. Point them to Jesus. Point them there. Tell them of the great God who done great things in the lives of people who just who were just still, who were just just waiting on him, who just humbly submitted to his will and stepped out and were saved by faith. People need to hear that. A big God will save them. He will save them. They just need to submit. May God be with you in the preaching and the teaching of preaching a big God and that this big God can handle all of their problems.